Hey, welcome to The Bartender's Perspective. I'm so happy to have you here. Work is done for the day. Pull up a chair, have a seat. I'll pour you a drink, and let's get started. In tonight's podcast, I want to talk about a concept. And when I started thinking about, and the concept you know, is, is a jail cell and its implications you know, for us and our world and our daily lives. And I got this concept um, from a scene in the movie God's Not Dead. That's where I got you know, the inspiration for this. So I'm going to talk about that scene, you know, list some relevant scripture, and finally give some examples of scenarios of jail cells people built themselves and some tragic stories of people who I stopped seeing due to this. Please be aware of you, my listeners, this episode is going to be dark as I am taking you into the jail cells of the minds of people that I once knew and some real world scenarios. But to give you context, there's a scene in the movie God's Not Dead. You know, I made this reference in an earlier podcast in my open closed door opportunities episode. I'm going to describe the scene, you know, but if you want to go look it up on YouTube, you can. And you know, just for the record, I am, not, again, not endorsing this movie. I'm just referencing the scene for the context. But in this scene, you know, a wealthy son goes to visit his alien grandmother who was stricken <clears throat> with dementia. He confronts her about how she prayed and loved God her whole life, but then ended up in, you know, in this predicament. He mocked her and mocked to the Almighty and compared his perfect wealthy life to hers saying, you know, he was the meanest person he knew, that she was the nicest person that he knew, and then asked her to explain that. And to his surprise, despite being in her catatonic state, she answered what he probably thought, you know, she wouldn't hear. And she answered very vividly. You know, she straight up said, sometimes the devil lets people live a life free of trouble, so they won't turn to God. And she called her son's life a jail cell. In this case, you know, the inside of the jail cell is greed, power, and wealth. You know, the jail cell is nice and cozy with its fancy house, expensive car, and we can presume great wealth. All the while, he has the option, you know, to walk through that cell door as it is wide, wide open, but chooses to ignore it. And then one day, time runs out. And the cell door slams shut. And suddenly it's too late. Let that one sink in, y'all. I mean, go watch the scene if you want to. I mean, it's it was brilliant. And, you know, I've thought about it ever since. People struggle every, every day with many things that they struggle with inwardly. But rather than deal with those things, they focus outwardly. And, you know, they choose to cope with them in many ways, such as drinking, gambling, you know, and one that I find interesting, giving advice to others when they need to be seeking answers for themselves and their own lives. And outwardly, you know, these are all true, but it all begins, you know, inside your mind. From the book of Psalms uh, 107, verse 10, it reads, you know, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. You know, this verse is part of a larger passage. You know, if you want to go read it, that's up to you. That speaks about God's deliverance and redemption of people in distress. 
in this specific verse, it describes a situation where people were in a state of darkness, suffering, you know, captivity, but through God's intervention, they were set free and brought into the light. It symbolizes the idea of God's mercy and, you know, rescues in times of trouble. I connect with this one pretty good. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the destruction and overthrow of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute every argument, thought, and reasoning, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, leading every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ the Messiah and the Anointed One. You know, this verse is often interpreted, it emphasizes the spiritual nature of the Christian battle or struggle. It suggests that Christians should rely on God's power and not their own strength to overcome spiritual obstacles and challenges. It also encourages believers to take control of their thoughts and bring them in line with the teachings of Christ, ultimately leading to spiritual growth and obedience to God. Uh, it was a really good one from Proverbs chapter 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's King James Bible, a King James version for those of you. You know, this verse it highlights the idea that our thoughts you know, and beliefs can shape our reality. <clears throat> Ah, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This verse, uh, verse emphasizes the freedom that comes through faith in Christ and warns against returning to a self-imposed state of bondage. But in order to do what's in these scriptures, you know, you know, there has to be a choice. It's not one of those things you can just, oh, yeah, yeah, I read these and I'm good. Someone has to make the conscious effort and willingly do so first to make that step towards the open cell door. There are some that have gotten lost and wandered so far into the darkness. They have lost sight of their light. And I'm going to cover that uh you know, in more uh, detail in another podcast when we talk about how the balance between light and dark is upset and the consequences that follow. But anyways, <clears throat> not getting off topic. Uh, the rest of this episode, I'm going to give you stories about various people that I've known, you know, or people I've read about and just, you know, various simple real world scenarios, you know, that, that y'all can relate to. Oh, I had a regular John. God, I miss John. He was a young professional. You know, when I met him and he was just starting out, I mean, he was just out of college. He had just moved to this, you know, steady, started his career in banking. I mean, he was so enthusiastic and ambitious. Such a great fellow. And then just, he started getting all these series of rejections from better job opportunities. You know, he had a lot of failures. And over time, I just began to, you know, he would just outwardly what I was seeing was him doubting his abilities. And there came a point that I just started drinking more. And instead of persisting and continuing to seek those new job opportunities, you know, he let himself become trapped in a cycle of self doubt. Cause I just saw it over and over and over again. 
know, he came in and I would ask him how his day was and a lot of new challenges and, you know, promotions, he just started avoiding because he was worried that he was going to fail. I sadly had to start monitoring his drinking as it became worse, sadly. Over time, I guess he built mental barriers around himself. I mean, that's what I saw. You know, but because he t- he constantly was telling himself that he wasn't good enough. He stopped coming in at one point. So I, I don't know what happened to him after that. This self-doubt and insecurity prevented John from pursuing his true potential and limited his career growth. It's a common scenario where persistent self-doubt it could create a self-fulfilling prophecy, keeping individuals from realizing their capabilities and, and achieving their goals. This is a really good one, um, uh, contextually from history. You know, it's it's a grudge you know that became prison walls uh, from forgiveness and happiness. Queen Elizabeth I of England. Well, Queen Elizabeth, she held deep resentment and suspicion towards her cousin, Mary, Queen of Scots, due to political and personal conflicts. This grudge led to Mary's imprisonment and eventual execution, causing Elizabeth to carry the weight of her decision and the consequences of her grudge through her reign. While Elizabeth was a powerful and influential monarch, her inability to forgive and let go of this grudge had a lasting impact on her happiness you know, in the political climate of her time. <sighs> oh, man, I, I remember this one. It was hard, y'all. I had a regular. You know, she struggled with a gambling addiction. You know, it all started, I would see her playing on her phone all the time, as most people tend to do at the bar. You know, and I started hearing dings and beeps and ding, 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 ding. And I found out she was doing, you know, casino games. You know, and we would talk and talk and she progressively stopped talking nearly as much you know i found her to be doing more and more you know the games on her phone and then one time i didn't see her for a while and she came in and i asked her how she was doing and she's like oh well i've been going to the casino you know we have a casino uh, nearby our city and she uh, was taking more and more trips and over time she started coming in, like, I saw her anxious, being upset, and, you know, I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I lost, you know, $200, but I'll get it back. And it just, I started seeing that more and more, y'all. The metaphorical jail cell in her life, it was the constant need to feed her addiction. And it really did eventually lead to financial ruin in her family. I mean, man, it's, it breaks my heart, y'all. It strained a relationship with her husband. And most importantly, all, a great emotional distress, distress that it brought to her two children as a result. You know, I said, she kept me up to date and she felt trapped by the cycle of chasing losses and she just couldn't escape the misery it brought into her life. The last time I saw her because her sponsor thought it best that she give up drinking as well. And she came in, had a club soda and cranberry. She was slowly recovering in a support group and sadly working on getting visitation for her children again. 
I once had a friend from college. You know, he was a talented musician. Today, however, he has a deep fear of failure. He let this fear prevent, prevent him from pursuing a career in music, despite his immense potential. He worried about not being good enough. You know, he was facing rejection you know, and struggling to make a living as a musician. You know, he let that fear act as a metaphorical jail cell, which today he is trapped in a more conventional job and lifestyle of walking towards his true potential in the world of music. I know to this day he's not happy because he complains about it all the time. So yeah, this one was hard to hear. I really liked her. You know, I once had a regular. You know, she was an older woman. She had a good corporate job nearby. You know, she made a lot of money. You know, whenever she came in, she drank. And then, of course, you know, famous fashion of you know bartenders and their patrons. And you know, I got the skinny. Of course, what was really going on inside? You know, keeping this general because you know these are again her personal details, and I don't want to delve into them. She had experienced several painful and traumatic relationships in her past. You know, to protect herself from further emotional hurt, she built emotional walls around her heart. You know, she became distant. You know, avoiding any deep emotional connections. I mean, heck, anybody that approached her at the bar, you know, she, while she was, you know, outspoken and a good talker, you know, she would reject any advances from anybody. It was crazy. But anyways, over time, you know, this isolation created a metaphorical jail cell, leaving her feeling lonely and disconnected from meaningful relationships. Even though she longed for genuine connections, her self-imposed emotional barriers kept her from forming the close bond she desired, despite her success. <sighs> I was sad to learn of her death when I saw her obituary not too long ago. She was a great woman. I miss her. Oh, man, this guy. I had one regular. I could not even say the word politics. <laughs> Because he strongly adhered to a particular political ideology. And he refused to consider alternative perspectives. Stubborn as a mule, y'all. He was unwilling to engage in you know, constructive discussions or, or re even reevaluate his beliefs. You know, he straight up said, you know, I'm stuck in my ways. I'm like, I can, I can tell. <laughs> Ultimately, he was unable to adapt to changing political landscapes and grow as a more open-minded and informed citizen. Last I heard, you know, y'all get a kick out of this. You know, he's going through a divorce with his wife. And the reason I know that, <laughs> his wife came in for a drink to let me know how they were doing. Because <laughs> he, he came in to see me like clockwork, you know, and always talked about me when he got home. And, you know, she just had to come meet, you know, come meet me, the legendary bartender. And, she told me everything that was happening, so I hate it for him, I guess. <laughs> Anyways. On this next example, for those of you listening with children or young adults, please be warned. This next example, you know, it ends with self-harm. So please pause or skip over this example if you think it would not be appropriate for them or for you to hear. So with that. Um, I had a regular, he was like clockwork as well. When he would get to shot number five, uh, Patron Silver, you know, he would always start unloading a whole bunch of his past regrets. And when I asked how he was doing, 
know, he'd failed in numerous relationships over the years. Since any time there started to be progress, you know, he somehow ended that relationship for any reason because he couldn't find it in himself to get past things he did and give himself forgiveness. I recently read an Instagram post, a local one about, about him and some of his family members found him dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, all he left was a note that said, I'm sorry. So yeah, that one hit me hard too. Cause you know, I, I care about my regulars. I really do. So that's a good example, you know, constantly comparing to others, you know, you're creating yourself a self-imposed competition, you know, that keeps you in a confined space of envy, you know, another jail cell, if you will. Imagine a business owner, you know, he constantly compares himself to a rival company. Now, this individual may fixate on their competitor's success, you know, mimic their strategies, you know, without considering their own strengths and constantly measure their worth against their rival. And all the while becoming trapped and feelings, you know, that, that lead of envy and will limit focus on their own growth. So getting themselves stuck when they don't have to be. Oh, you got this guy. I have a lot of regulars who are from small towns originally. Good people. I had this particular regular, man, he was a country bumpkin, y'all. He used the word y'all <laughs> a lot. He had a routine that revolved around familiar places and people. I mean, he truly acted like somebody from a small town. You know, whenever, I mean, when it came to like ordering drinks and, you know, the menu in this instance, he was, he rarely ventured beyond his comfort zone. And eventually I learned from watching him, you know, this jail cell of familiarity shielded him from new experiences. You know, he was hesitant to travel or explore, you know, new cultures sticking to the same job for years, you know, and he was resistant to change. As a result, his world remained limited. You know, he missed out on many, many opportunities for personal growth and new perspectives. You know, the last time I saw him, I came in excited about a new job he'd gotten as a car washer. And I'm like, you know, I'm happy for you. And there's nothing wrong with being a car washer. I just want to state that for the record. You know, it's not a demeaning job. We all need to get our cars washed. But the only thing, the reason I bring this up is he had a college degree, a four-year college degree in business. But yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, you know, the metaphorical jail cells of our lives we often imprison ourselves with self-doubt, fear, and the burdens of the past. But as we've explored in this episode, you know, these cells have open doors. And finding God, or whatever brings meaning to your life, can help you walk through them into a world of freedom and transformation. It's a reminder that the key to unlocking our potential lies within. And we have the power to break free from the confines of our own making. These metaphorical jail cells teach us the profound lesson that it's never too late to rediscover ourselves and you know, to seek purposes and to embrace 
you know, limitless possibilities that await just beyond that open door. And make that decision, y'all, to get up and go before it is too late and the cell door slams shut. But in closing, if you like my podcast, I hope you like this one. You know, this one was, was really hard, hard to write. Please feel free to tell at least three people about my podcast. If anyone is struggling with this, you know, if you think they'll get something out of it, you know, or go express your concern to somebody, whatever the case may be, y'all, just start talking to one another again. You know, this will help me to continue to get my message out there to more people and help me to grow and get, reach more people. You know, if you love my show, want to show your support, you can go to my website, leave me a tip on the tip jar. But unless you want another drink, thank you so much for stopping in. Here's your check. My regular podcast hours are, as always, every Sunday night at 7 p.m. So you can come back and see me then. Have a great night, y'all.